1: It's Beamaz and Beamer. Now Brian Mazarowski and Joe Beamer. News Radio 930
2: WBEN.
3: All right. Welcome in BMAS and Beamer here on WBEN. Are you gonna go my way? Alright, what way are we gonna go? That's, That's one of the great question. questions that we're asked here. I right. before we start, gotta uh, you know, get started with Joe. You walked in here. You're wearing your new glasses. It was a new look, Joe Beamer.
4: Yeah, I'm trying to slowly get myself used to them, so I don't like just wear myself out or get a headache. For I liked it. You like you like the uh, I,
3: the look? It's it's a new look. It's something I'm not used to seeing. I, well, it's something not used for me to see. The clear. Yeah, <laughs> you can actually see what okay. I look like. <laughs> You've been sitting here for the last, you know, uh, three months right next to me. You have no idea what I look like. It's it's such a change,
4: you know, like looking up just at the TV and being able to read what that says under that person on the Olympics. From this distance, I can't without these glasses on.
3: Oh, that's why everyone's (laughs) cheering. I got it now. I like it. It's like a look of, you know, you walk into a room wearing those glasses. It's like, hmm, maybe I should listen to what this guy's saying. Yeah. I usually don't (laughs) give that vibe off. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, welcome in BMS and Beamer here on WBEN. Um, a lot of talk about what's going on and what we've been talking about throughout the morning with COVID. I you know, I want to get started though, first because this survey has been making the rounds and I know you saw this, Joe. Uh, Sports Handle surveyed over 2,000 football fans from around the country. So, now as with any survey, I will, you know, start this uh, surveys and polls. I've never been asked. So right. right. So, I mean, it's one of those things where I- I've never really uh, been asked. It- it's If you divide it equally, we'll assume it's divided equally, they're only talking to 32 fans per team. Right? right? Does that make sense? 2,000 divided by uh, 32, or no, 62, 62. fans per team. So a little Still bit more.
4: Under a hundred fans
3: per team. Yeah. So not that much. It's not like the biggest sample size, but right. they had a, a little bit of a survey as to um what NFL fans drink the most. And what do you think the survey found? Oh, the Buffalo Bills. We're taking a gold medal uh back <laughs> <laughs> back home from the survey uh here to Buffalo. Now this is what they said that uh Bills overall Bills fans rank third for booziest fans.
4: Which I mean that was the most surprising part of this. Well,
3: now here's, here's how they here's how they uh, you know uh, gauge this is okay. an average spend of about fifty three dollars and average about four and a half drinks per game. So I'm thinking that's an in game oh beer purchase thing. Okay, which would explain a lot. Now we're first for pre gamers where eighty three percent of Bills fans admit to drinking before the game starts. Admit to drinking before. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that is that sounds to me actually. Even though you know we're looking at maybe sixty-two people, uh, right. you know I think that's pretty spot on. Yes, I think eighty percent of people are in you know the tailgate lot taking form of some. Even if you're not drinking, you know you might have a drink or right. something like that. You are
4: pre gaming before walking in,
3: and then you know twenty percent are just going into the. That's just, you know, maybe that's an overblown um, you know, somebody from the Bills could completely correct me in that. Saying, no, actually most people just show up and walk right in. I, I would be surprised, but I'd be very I've never surprised. done that. Right. Um now second for biggest they call this biggest lightweight drinkers. I, I agree with this. Uh sixty nine percent of Bills fans admit to having missed some or all of the game due to drinking too much. And I don't know if that's as much a lightweight as it is just you drank too much. <laughs> like, I, if, some, if you look at all the cases of beer that are um, left behind before kickoff and tell me uh, that you would define that as a lightweight fan base.
4: That's a good point. However, when, when are they talking about? Because early 2010s, I think a lot of people probably just stayed tailgating, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't think now that we're having fans again, you will have that number of people. Missing much of, if any, of the game because the product on the field is what are bringing people to the stadium now.
3: Oh, yeah. I, I that 100%. Uh, top five fan bases um, Cincinnati and Baltimore apparently beat out Buffalo as The uh, quote unquote booziest fan base, you know, I it, that was it, interesting. And when
4: they call it the booziest, like you said, that's for in game drinking. I'm surprised the Atlanta Falcons
3: aren't on this list because of their cheap beer prices. Mm, yeah, that's interesting, but it, it you know, it just strikes you as more of a corporate crowd. You know, there, no that's one's true. one's ever talking Baltimore, Cincinnati surprises me a little bit, but I, I'm not sure I've never really paid attention to the crowd in a Cincinnati. Baltimore does not surprise me uh, no. for some reason. I that's a hard uh, fan base, That's uh, at least from what I see. Yeah, Baltimore I doesn't. Cincinnati, I, I can't tell you much
4: because if I see Cincinnati on the TV and they're not playing the Bills, yeah. that game's not staying on. <laughs> yeah, <that's,
3: laughs> yeah, you're pretty much right for that. But uh, Well, there you go. That's uh, the latest survey of Bills fans, and you'll uh, get your first chance to look at the team maybe Saturday morning. The Bills are back uh, in action. They're back for their training camp. It's happening in Orchard Park, and yesterday – a lot of them talking to the media, including Cole Beasley uh, speaking for the first time since, you know, over the course of the offseason, making a lot of waves with his tweets. Uh, but, you know, only tweets, maybe a little bit of back and forth, but not that much. You never actually got to hear from the person. Well, Cole Beasley read a statement. He did answer some questions, mostly football related questions, but he did make a statement on all of the COVID stuff that he's been associated with. Uh, We we won't do the full statement, but here's an excerpt from that.
4: Some people may think that I'm being selfish in making this a me thing. It is all about the young players who don't have a voice and are reaching out to me every day because they're being told if they don't get vaxxed, they'll be cut. For over a vaccine that is proven to not keep people from contracting COVID, as we've seen. The NFLPA is working to have vaccinated players tested more frequently than what the NFL initially stated. A lot of players got the vaccination with the idea that these rules were already set in stone, and they're not. It is common sense that if a vaxxed or unvaxxed player is tested less frequently, the likelihood of a player being pulled for COVID drops
3: dramatically. And that, I think, it's in—Joe, in, in Joe, what did we talk about at the end of last week, of listening to people? Right. right? It, it, no matter how uh, much you might disagree with somebody, no matter how uh, you know off-the-wall an idea sounds to begin with, it never hurts to listen to people, right? I think what's what we always sound So if you can, you know, set aside your preconceived notions about Cole Beasley, which I am glad that he's not taking questions totally, because I, I mean, let's face it: anyone asking the questions in those, uh, thi- we know what their position is yes. on vaccines and everything else. You can tell from every Twitter feed of every football writer here and throughout the entire country. Right. I, it's. It's not coming from a neutral ground, right? It's not coming from a, hey, let's have a conversation about this. And he brings up a pretty good point to everybody who says, now there's a few different responses to what Cole Beasley said, but I think the most common one, especially among people here and Bills fans, has been, how can you? You're going to hurt the team. What the Bills have the best team in forever, and it's all you know. Now we're going to lose it because there's unvaccinated players on the Bills, right? I, would you agree that that's the most common? That's what I'm seeing on social media. Yes, that seems to be the big blowback. Right, you're going to hurt the team, and I think if you listen to what Cole Beasley is saying. It's hard to, in that clip there, and, you know, we didn't play the whole thing, and I forgot what he said in this whole, in that clip there, it's hard to find fault in what he's saying, and it's hard to point at him and say, you're going to hurt the team because you're unvaccinated. They're still testing vaccinated players, and that's something he made a point of. And if you listen to Beasley, I have no way of knowing what the, discussions between the NFLPA and the NFL are in terms of how often they're going to test people but they're still testing vaccinated players and they might test them more often uh, as we go into the season you can test positive even if you're vaccinated yes how many times have we seen that? Now, that doesn't mean that you are even infected with the virus, right? I mean, that certainly doesn't mean you are symptomatic. It doesn't mean you have a, you know, a, a cold, a runny nose. It doesn't mean anything like that. Also
4: doesn't mean that you can spread it.
3: it yes. that's. It, it doesn't mean anything other than you have maybe come in contact with the virus. Or, depending on what test this is, you might even... Have dead virus. If you've had COVID in the past, you might have dead virus that the test is picking up in your nose that it picks up. We see that with John Rum now for three tournaments. (laughs) Okay, yeah, there you go. So uh, we know that you can test positive even if you're vaccinated uh, and it's not impacting you. And what does the NFL do? If you're testing positive, we saw this with former Bills legend, Frank Reich, right? He uh, fully vaccinated. And he tests positive, and now he's forced to sit out for over a week of training camp. So even if you are vaccinated, you know, this uh, you're going to hurt the team because then you test positive, and then, you know, all of a sudden, uh, you have to sit out, and we're missing players, and you have to play shorthanded. That's the truth, even if you're vaccinated. So what should the NFL be doing here? Because their policy has basically been, listen, we're not going to mandate any vaccination, We just want to make it as uncomfortable as possible, or we want to strongly encourage with our policies people to get vaccinated. So what would that look like? If you listen to Cole Beasley and you listen to the actual concerns of players, if you didn't test vaccinated players, or say if you even did, but you didn't force them to sit out for games, right? Maybe that would actually make a difference if you're, uh, you know, going down this route and you listen to what the players are saying.
4: Yeah. And and that's not just in football. I think that's more on uh, everything level. Uh, But, you know, we said this two days ago, Frank Wright is an, an example of the vaccine working. He's asymptomatic and tested positive. He's an example of the vaccine working and the NFL is punishing him by making him quarantine. And if that's what they're going to do during the season, then what Cole Beasley said is correct. I think a lot of people took what he said out of context. If, if the NFL is going to continue to treat vaccinated people and unvaccinated people the same, there is no incentive there. And Cole Beasley, I think has every right to speak up and make that opinion and make that point heard. And again, this goes beyond football, in my opinion, because you're hearing this outside of football. We've heard doctors say, why are you testing the vaccinated people? We have seen, they keep on talking, well, what about the next variant? Well, the next variant? well let's, let's deal with that when it gets here. The variant we have now, we are still seeing that
3: vaccinated people are not contributing to the spread. What we know about variants is they were going to happen. We talked about that a year and a half ago, that (laughs) the virus will mutate. Uh, It'll mutate several times. You'll see it a lot. Uh, This is something we knew that was going to happen. And it's when we talk about Cole Beasley and his stance, um, he said at the beginning, he said, I'm not pro-vax, I'm not anti-vax, I'm pro-choice. And to me, his stance has always been uh, less about the COVID vaccine and more about what you see the NFL... And maybe even I actually haven't really seen this other. You, you'll see some vaccine mandates, but the NFL I think is going beyond a vaccine mandate. I actually think it would be less intrusive if the NFL mandated vaccines for their players. What they're instead saying is, listen, you have a choice. But if we catch you having dinner with your family and you're not vaccinated, you're going to be fined, you know, fifteen thousand dollars. Right. You know, this reach into what you're doing in your personal. Oh, you can go into a restaurant, but only to pick up food. If you're sitting down in a restaurant uh, without masking or social distancing or something like that, there's another $15,000. And that reach of your employer into what you're doing in your personal life, I think that's kind of at the crux of what Cole Beasley has been saying really for a number of months now.
4: Right. No, that's exactly what he's saying. And, you know, his statement – Backed it up, and Brian, we also are talking, and you know, about some of the best athletes, m- m- some of the most in shape people, and you know, the NFL's reaction to if you go out and have dinner uh, and you're unvaccinated, I, I think is, um, I don't know, T- to me, it just seems like you said intrusive, and it it does not seem the right way to go if you're trying to get the right message across.
3: I, it seems like something that it runs counter to most of what we've seen uh, throughout, uh, most of what we know. And that is, if you're vaccinated, and what we heard from Dr. Nielsen, what we've heard from a lot of people, if you're vaccinated, you don't really have the need to worry. So why aren't we worrying so much? What is this tension that's still there? And what is the cause of it? And I am still trying to figure out why we're again talking about the return to mask mandates, the return to some of these other things. Right. When the cause of it is not there. A year and a half ago, what was the cause of it? Hospitalizations, deaths, the unknown. Um, and nobody had immunity to any form of COVID. It was all of this that does not exist anymore. When we ended the mask mandate, 519, 147 local COVID hospitalizations. There are now 39. Now, wow. that's more than... 14, where there were the other week. Right. I mean, it's gone up a little bit. But if you look at it, you end the mask mandate, and we have been consistently lower than where we were when the mask mandate was in place. Now, what can you point to? You can point to vaccinations? Certainly. You can point to any number of things. But I can you point to if we put masks back on in between the door and your table at a restaurant, <laughs> is now all of a sudden that number going to drop Uh, 10, 20, I I don't know.
4: How can you really say that? And I don't understand why the reaction to that little bit of spike in numbers, because, Brian, what did we hear when the mask mandate ended? We are going to have spikes in COVID cases, in COVID hospitalizations, not anywhere close to where it had been, but you're going to see that. We heard that from health officials when the mask mandate was dropped. And now, all of a sudden, what we knew was going to happen, you hear our elected officials tease a mask mandate, then pull back a mask mandate, and I'll tell you, Brian, you're seeing it on social media. You're seeing it at events this morning uh, throughout Erie County. There is again confusion, which we've had through this entire pandemic, messaging confusion. People not people still think that Mark Pullencarz is going to put a mask mandate in on Friday. They didn't didn't hear the follow-up tweet. There is so much confusion, and it's not just in Erie County. I mean, obviously, that's what we're talking about because we're in Erie County, but this confusion, it's back. We We were off pens and needles for maybe a month, and now we are back to... Well, maybe, are we going to? What is the case? Do I have to when I go here? All these questions that we thought were easing with the vaccine are coming up again.
3: And here's the thing where I think a lot of people are thinking twice about it, where they might not have been before. You, were, We were in a new um, type of atmosphere before. Everyone was, whether you wanted to or not, you were staying more distant than you ever were Or than you were in 2019. Maybe it wasn't by choice. um, But maybe it was just every time you go out to eat, things were a little bit different. Every time you go to a store, things are a little bit different, spaced out. We've now for, I mean, really a couple of months not had that. And so people are seeing all around them, you're going out and it's a crowded restaurant. You're going out to a packed bar, a packed baseball game. And you're doing all these activities. And what are your eyes seeing? I mean, you're not seeing people dropping like flies next to you. You're not seeing, uh, you know, this rapid spike in hospitalizations. You're not hearing of way more people getting sick. And now you're hearing all these reports of a surge. It's running rampant. Uh, But then what are your eyes seeing? This is from just the other day. A daily new confirmed deaths per million people attributed to COVID throughout the U.S. on a rolling seven-day average. COVID mortality is at its lowest level since it's been at the start of the pandemic in March of 2020. Wow. So when we talk about surge, what, what are we talking about? Are we talking about cases? Okay. Are we talking about vaccinated people who have a little bit of virus in their nose that really doesn't mean anything to them because they've gotten the vaccine? Right. Okay. Uh, if you look at the numbers that I thought we were looking at for the last year and a half, we're doing extraordinarily well, and there doesn't appear to be a surge. It actually looks like well, things are are heading in the right direction.
4: Continuing to drop. You know, and it's so important what you said, Brian, uh, that cases could be that someone just had dead virus in their nose. It could be an asymptomatic vaccinated person. And, and I think if we are really basing mandates and what we are going to do in the future off cases, you know, we were told. A year ago, over a year ago, that this is hospitalizations, this is deaths, and now all of a sudden, when... There are probably more asymptomatic cases than ever before because of the vaccine. We're now looking at case numbers. I think that's a very flawed way. And I think a lot of people in the medical community would agree with me. It's a flawed way to look at this. And it definitely shouldn't be the way that we come up with mandates on how we're going to
3: go to local businesses or even go back to school. And maybe not just cases. Um, The CDC's new recommendations are based on a new study. Well, this is from Stat. Uh, it's a website that, I, you know, it's hard to tell, you know, who runs every single website. It seems like a pretty reputable site that uh, deals with a lot of science, uh, news, and data. Um, in their story on these new CDC recommendations, they said an administration official speaking anonymously told that website, Stat, that health experts do not have studies proving that fully vaccinated people are transmitting the virus. Rather, the updated guidance is based on studies showing that vaccinated people who contract the Delta variant have similarly high levels of virus in their airways, which suggested they may be infectious to others, but without actually seeing that spread in practice. So I it does make you question when we're going to go Full-blown back to the vaccines work if you include a mask. You know, right. What are we going to base that on? And then it all kind of snowballs from there, doesn't it? Because what do we have from the governor yesterday? It will be hard. And I understand the politics. But I also understand if we don't take the right actions, schools can become super spreaders in September it will happen we have seen it happen before but we haven't right. really seen it happen before <laughs> and I don't think it will happen. There's much more on that when we come back. B-Mads and Beamer on WBEN. Take the dust!
0: Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date download the instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last minimum ten dollar per order additional term supply
1: all-star closer kenley jansen we have a question what's the best podcast of all time News Radio 930 WBEN.
4: Oh, it is that time. Welcome back. It is your chance to see Luke Bryan, Saturday, August 14th, at Darren Link Amphitheater, courtesy of Live Nation. Hopefully, the weather's a lot nicer than you're looking out your window right now. Luke Bryan, live concerts are back. Live Nation's Return to Live with select concert tickets for 20 bucks all in. Visit livenation.com return to live for detail. Caller number 4 at 644-9875 gets a pair of tickets to see this guy, Luke Bryan, Saturday, August 14th. That's two weeks from this
3: Saturday at Darien Lake. I don't think I'd even care if it was raining. If I'm going to a concert now, you know, it's 2021. Haven't been out, uh, you know, in a while seeing a band I like. You know, rain on. You know, yeah, we whatever. put up with a lot of
4: rain this year. I, right? We've had a lot of
3: it. I mean, I, I would go through a monsoon to, uh, you know, see someone I like right now. So, so if it
4: so, starts raining at Drop Kicks, you're all in?
3: Yeah. yeah. I mean, let's go. I, we've done it before. We'll do it again. It'll, you know, feel like you're uh, 13 again or something like that. That'll be fun. I'm Beam Beamer here on WBEN, where uh, we're, we're talking a lot about the COVID picture and that, you know, looming... I I don't want to say it's a looming threat, although it might have felt that way yesterday where you heard some things where uh, the county executive was talking about the potential for a mask mandate to return as soon as tomorrow. Them backing off that, saying it wasn't going to come back. Um, You know, I I don't want to call it a threat because even though it's kind of being threatened, it it isn't really. It's just a looming fear or uncertainty or, Joe, I... Wish so much that we were working in a different job where you didn't have to think about this because I wouldn't (laughs) think about it because every time I do, you get this. I don't know how to describe the feeling. It's just, uh, yeah, like it's it's one of those. That's the best way to communicate it. Gritting your teeth. Yeah, just you feel a certain way inside where. You just want to flip over a table. When
4: I saw that original tweet yesterday, I was on my way to Cleveland. I see the original tweet. I, I had I was parked. I wasn't driving, looking at yes, Twitter, of course. Um, and I saw that tweet. And yeah, there was just some you know this this feeling like you know, and I hate to sound like sound this way, but I did what you told me to do. I did what I thought was going to give me my freedoms back. And everything I have seen in real life experiences that I've been in, I've seen that I am protected in these situations. And now you're threatening me if six more people get mm-hmm. uh, test positive for COVID-19. That you And yeah, it, it, I can't put a word on it, Brian, but your expression is exactly how I felt reading that. And then, you know, two hours later when I when I read that that wasn't going to happen. It, it, I, I'm not going to lie. And I'm it's sad that this is where we are right now. It was kind of a relief that, OK, I don't have to worry about
3: that. Yeah. I And it's. It is, I think more and more people are feeling that Ugh. because of personal experience, because we're not simply learning about coronavirus based on what we're seeing on TV every day. You're learning about the spread of coronavirus every time you go out and do something. Yeah. And it's that idea the same way where, um, you know, I was out with a friend and he's uh, standing at the bar and you know to, well you have to put your mask on sits down on the bar stool his head literally does not move from the same space and now it's okay right. to take your mask off and how everyone's lo- like you know this is stupid right you know am i stupid the mind best word here is this crazy I-, I think the same way where everyone's saying like well wait a second so this past month I've been out and I've been doing whatever and it's been fine and I've been vaccinated and I'm living my life and I'm at a packed bar as there are every weekend and every day down uh, in Buffalo and across western New York. And what, Friday, all of a sudden I'm a heat-seeking missile again? Right. Uh, you Right. Know, uh, what exactly is going – and then to uh, get, see the governor when he's talking about drastic action – Uh, needs to be taken once again, uh, that dramatic action is what he said, you know, using this emergency technology or terminology and saying, well, we need dramatic action. This is this needs to go right now. So we are mandating that state employees get vaccinated in a month. Right. I mean, th- that doesn't <laughs> scream emergency to me. If we're saying, "Well, yeah, we'll give you till Labor Day," you know, just see how uh, things work out until then. I, if it's an emergency, then it, it's something that needs to happen right now. If it's an emergency, then
4: when those when those individuals go to work today. There should be someone standing there. Hey, do you have your vaccine? And literally have the vac. if it's such this emergency. But like you said, Brian, no, we'll give you a month to do what's now going to be mandated and, starting September 5th.
3: You know, all that uncertainty is something we talked about the other day. How does it do anything but bolster the point of view that why would I get a vaccine right. if I, you know, oh, I have to wear a mask because I'm still a danger to other people? And uh, it doesn't do much. And then to hear the governor yesterday. It will be hard and i understand the politics but i also understand if we don't take the right actions schools can become super spreaders in september it will happen we have seen it happen before and i'm asking myself am i actually living in a different world i because i think i might be because if we've seen it happen before I want to ask where, because I didn't, and it will happen for sure. What in the past year and a half from here in western New York to the entire United States to anywhere across the globe would make you think that all of a sudden this is going to happen and this is going to be a major problem? Because if we are data-based in our approach, as I've been told from day one, saying that is such, uh, I mean, it is unbelievable. And I was talking to teachers last night, and I know, Joe, you have your own experience in this, that that kind of talk, all it's going to do is inspire fear that isn't warranted in a lot of parents, and then it's not long after that that if this talk continues, we're going to see again the calls for Keeping kids out of the classroom, which has been doing so much harm, so much more harm. And this is just, uh, what did we see the other day? Uh, The examination of test results in the spring, 1.6 million students, grades one through six across the U.S., comparing performance with similar students pre-pandemic. Children were, on average, about four months behind in reading, five months behind in math, and... That, according to uh, McKinsey, who ran the study, that's an optimistic scenario, uh, according to them, because that is measuring the outcomes for students who took interim assessments and were inside of a school building more so than kids who weren't. Right. So we're just going to further this because of... Words, I, you know, where is the actual thing to back this up? You're seeing that fear right now.
4: Right now, the, the misinformation is it, it's at an all time high level and it's coming from people who elected officials, people who, you know, a lot of people trust what they are saying. And you are now seeing this. You're seeing this call today. Right now, I know of a situation where kids were in a school like setting yesterday And then all of this, what transpired over the last 24 hours, the governor talking about it happening again, it which hasn't happened before, and now they go from having a full class to 20% of the class showing up today because, like Brian said, of that fear that isn't warranted that is being put in by elected officials. It is misinformation, and all it is doing, it is harming children. Brian, those numbers you looked at, that's the average student. And like you said, those students are in the building. You never think about the kids who are already behind, even before the pandemic, what the last year has done to them.
3: And that study, I mean, it calls shutting down schools one of the most destructive policies of the entire pandemic. And it again points to this. Despite suffering the least from COVID, the policies around COVID have impacted kids the most by far. Because apparently no one has the capacity to actually evaluate risk. And maybe a part of that is because we don't have good data to work on. You know, it's one thing to ignore a lot of the data, which we already talked about today. We are kind of doing uh, right. the mortality data. Does it, that's not the uh, you know, number that's brought up every single day. But we have, you know, a little bit of data. This is CDC data, 600,000 Americans who have died, plus more than 600,000 Americans who have died with a COVID diagnosis in their record, 335 were children under 18. And here's where the data breaks. There's no information from the CDC as to whether any of those 335 had a pre-existing condition whether their COVID was the reason for being in the hospital or just an addition, you know, incidental almost. Um, you know, we ran a test and there was also COVID. There was a research team at Johns Hopkins that looked at 48,000 children under 18 who were diagnosed with COVID. The mortality rate was zero among children without a serious pre-existing medical condition such as pediatric cancer. And then this is from the U.K. just in this past week, where the Telegraph is reporting that over half of COVID hospitalizations, they're people who tested positive after admission, which may mean that a large chunk of people who are classified as hospitalized with COVID might actually be hospitalized. And then, oh, by the way, you have COVID, too. You were here for your arm was broken, but we do a test on everybody. And you have COVID. So kind of inflating these numbers. If we had an idea as to, you know, how many people were impacted under the age of 18, and we had clear data on this, and that was shouted from the rooftops, and that used the same microphone as the governor had yesterday when he said, super spreader, you know, fear, 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 uh, maybe we'd be better able to make decisions right about this coming school year and about what we should be doing as parents and as a community.
4: Yeah, and, and to and, 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 and to have the governor say that yesterday again, echoing misinformation. You heard from the data that we do have, and we don't have much. But to say it's something that we already saw happen, we have not seen it happen. And, and you have parents, and and Brian, I think we can. I think we can understand. Parents reacting to that news. Oh my gosh! I can't put my child in a super spreader situation. Uh, but again, that falls on the governor for saying something that's just not accurate. It has not happened, and the damage that we continue to continue to do. And, and I think we can all see where this is heading. That we're heading back to where you are going to have remote remote education offered starting in September. I think for a lot of school districts. And again, high risk students. The, the, those those cases. That's that's not what we're talking about. We are talking about the average student, and to keep them out of the classroom again, even if it's for one day a week, um, I think would be very. We're seeing how detrimental that could be. I
3: don't. Maybe part of the reason why this isn't talked about more openly is I think there is a hesitation to, you know, point these things out because you come off as some sort of denier, right? Right, and that's the first accusation that goes there. Nobody is denying. COVID can be deadly. Nobody is denying the seriousness of the situation over the last year and a half. I've seen it. Right. I, everyone has Everyone at this has point. seen it, yes. Uh, but there has to be at some point where you look at these numbers, you look at a year and a half of data, you look at things that we – Thought we knew back in March that have been proven true over a year and a half of dealing with this disease, especially when it comes to kids. And at the very least, can we say maybe it's time to put this back in the hands of parents? Yeah. Right. And maybe it's time to put this decision armed with data Back in the hands of people who should be making the decision in the first place. Real data, data, not vague comments.
4: Real data, <laughs> if you can get it. If you right, right, no, exactly. But look at actual data, not vague comments that seem to change every week. Um, and this isn't just the governor. Obviously, that's what we're talking about because we're in New York State. But we are seeing this on a national level.
3: Yeah, um, we asked that question to Dr. Michael Cummings. He's associate medical director at ECMC. You might've heard of it. It's a hospital. He's a doctor. Yes. Um, And we asked him if there needs to be just an honest discussion. Can we be open about the pros and cons, especially when it comes to kids and masking?
2: Well, I think it is. You know, I mean, yes, the Delta variant, um, it spreads quicker. There's higher viral loads. And by definition, anyone under 12 can't be vaccinated now. They typically have a very uh, low disease course. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's easy to say mass, no mass, It's easy to say all these other things. It comes down to, you know, closing schools may have made sense at some point, but it comes also down to, you know, at what cost are we talking about? You know, we could prevent all diabetes, not all diabetes, but, you know, significant amounts of diabetes by just seriously limiting all food that is bad for you to individuals we would never consider doing that and I know this isn't the same thing but you miss the fact that um, you know masks are difficult for a lot of kids to wear um, they are and certainly those with developmental disabilities really can struggle with this uh, particularly those with autism sensory things um, but it's also the potential lack of interaction social interaction um, just you know, young kids are learning how to understand body language and other things like that, which is very difficult to do when you can't see someone's face in a preschool setting. So, you know, there are a lot of issues with perpetual mask wearing um, that, you know, whether they equal out the damage associated with another surge of infection is hard to know. Um, but to simply say that there's no big deal about wearing masks um, is, is very simplifying it um, and, uh and I think it is going to cause, you know, more struggle, more nervousness in school settings, uh, more nervousness uh, within teachers, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, our kids have been out of school for long enough, so hopefully they can return um, in as normal, manner as possible. All
3: right. That's not someone who's off the chain. That's not someone who's, uh, you know, trying to push misinformation out there. Right. That's not somebody who not is not a denier. Yeah, he's not denying anything. Uh, he has uh, told us so many times about his own bout with COVID. He was very seriously ill with COVID uh, many months ago. Dr. Michael Cummings, Associate Medical Director at ECMC. But if you are going to act as a responsible adult, part of that is looking at the pros and cons, having a, a rational point of view, looking at something and saying, what is the best form of action here? And it is not done by just saying, "Well, wear a mask; it's no big deal." There, you know, you're not going to have any issue. I mean, to not even acknowledge that there are issues right. that deal with that. Now, that's not even saying that the issues that mask wearing represents are worse than, you know, what what a COVID threat would be. All we're saying is, can somebody have the conversation in an open, uh, you know, part? Can somebody look at this? Instead of just putting this out there, well, obviously, masking, there you go. Uh, no big deal. Just slap them on, and uh, you'll continue the school year without even think tw- thinking twice about it. Right.
4: Put that out there. Don't take questions. Walk away. That's exactly what we're seeing. And, and it, 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 it's really sad and, and that you, we don't have these conversations, Brian. The conversations that you and I have had so many times on this show talking about, you know, COVID this and the um, and mask that and everything. No one wants to have that. Everyone picks their side and they go full blown one way or the other. It's, it's rare to hear a rational conversation as we heard from Dr. Michael Cummings.
3: Yeah. I, and there are people out there. And, you know, I, I think most people want to listen to that. You yes. know, I was out yesterday at, a, I don't know if you call it a splash pad or a kiddie pool. I'm not 100% sure. Was it a pool or a splash pad? I don't know. if oh. it, How deep does it have to be to be a pool? Your foot has to be covered. Oh, then it was definitely a pool. Yeah. That's as far... For I, a kiddie pool? Yeah. I thought like two feet would be pool length. No? I don't think yeah. a kid pool is going to be two feet. Okay. Well, then I'll call it a splash pad. Okay. But I was there yesterday. <laughs> and But you can see, I mean, there's a lot of people around who have kind of made their own decision, and they want, for their kids especially... And for themselves, too, you know, there were adults there playing basketball at the nearby park, socializing, doing this or that, who want to live their ordinary life uh, as ordinary as it can be right now. And, you know, again, we said this on Monday, if vaccines protect the vaccinated, then let's act like it. Right. And if the (laughs) unvaccinated people are out there, they've made a choice, too. And we have allowed people to make self-destructive choices throughout their entire – and again, that's not even – it might not even be a self-destructive choice depending on your current situation, whether you're young, whether you've had COVID in the past. And we know your situation. Yes, and we've allowed people to make choices for a very long time if we're no longer in a worry about overwhelming a healthcare system or having a a mass – You know, excessive mortality event then can we get back to having a little bit of autonomy over what we decide to do?
4: You made a great point to Dr. Wilds yesterday, Brian, and uh, it, it, you're exactly right. We let people make decisions that compromise their health every day. You can smoke as many cigarettes as you want in the next 24 hours. You can eat as many calories as you want in the next 24 hours, and nothing is done about that. So, you know, you can be that destructive to your body when it comes to that, but when it comes to the vaccine, we're making it sound like how dare you have that choice. How dare you do
3: that to your body? The counter argument to that is, well, you know, me eating and smoking. Uh, well, secondhand smoke does. Yeah, I was going to say secondhand smoke. Uh, me eating. All oh, this doesn't affect everyone else, doesn't impact your health. And to that, I, you know, it used to be a very good counter argument. But as of six months ago and as of two months ago, you can say, well, there's a shot for that. Right. There's a vaccine available and uh, you can get it, too. And then you don't have to worry about it. And you can you know open up and breathe a little. It feels pretty good. It does. I fresh think. air. I'm uh, I'm I'm ready for some of that fresh air, and I'm ready for things to you know get back and hopefully not be worrying. And I know Joe, you're really uh, hoping to not get back to worrying about any sort of restrictions around well, the corner. You know,
4: less than two months till my wedding, and this is all I can. This is all I'm worried about. I'm worried about them taking the dance floor away, Brian. I know. The dance floor is so important to you, and it's important to me as well. Taking the dance floor away, having to mask up at a a wedding, I I really hope common sense wins. And common sense is, I tweeted this out at the beginning of the show, common sense is the vaccine works. Is it 100%? Nothing ever will be. The vaccine works. I've witnessed it. A lot of people listening to my voice has witnessed it. That should be the message. The message should also be, do what you think is best for your body, because no one knows your body like
3: you there is nothing that's going to keep me off the dance floor Joe all right I'm hey, glad to hear wedding. that I you <laughs> you put me in a wedding you try and keep me off that dance floor I'm going I will break through a brick wall to uh get to that and uh I'm glad to <laughs> hear that around there's no question about it uh no no I it, these gray hairs I think uh that I've have exploded on my head over the last uh, six months. Uh, they're not from becoming a new parent. No. No. I feel like <laughs> I know how the presidents feel now. So that that's, you know, my look has changed almost like uh, they do in four years. It only took me eight months. Yeah. You yeah. <laughs> look like you've served a four year term.
4: Well, hey, uh, tomorrow, I'm sure uh, this will still be being discussed. Um, that's all I have to say about that. We also have. <laughs> One pair of tickets left for uh, Luke Bryan, so make sure you tune in tomorrow, 9 to 10. We'll give you one more chance to go see Luke on Saturday, August 14th, and uh, we'll try to send some positive vibes your way to start the weekend, we didn't Bryan. Do,
3: we didn't do our uh, 9 o'clock cocktail. I thought that was going to become a thing. I
4: was told this was a new, uh, we, starting yesterday, the 9 o'clock cocktail was a B-Maz and Beamer special. We
3: were waiting on someone to bring it
4: to us, oh wow. They moved the beer cart. What happened? All right, we'll be back tomorrow here on WBEN.